that. Uh, I think that's all. My name is Freddie, by the way. I'm one of the leaders here. I'm one of the elders here at Calvary Chapel in the city. So let's pray. We're going to be uh, in, we're going to start, I'm going to go through um, a few scriptures with you here today. And we're going to begin in Exodus chapter 24. If you, uh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. And my brother Solomon or Eldon will make sure we have one here who does not. And another person, Donna, over there. Um, please raise your hand if you don't. So while they do that, I'm going to pray. Father, Lord, we... Um, we come in your presence, Lord, Father, not to be entertained, Lord. We come in your presence, Father. We come to church, Father, to get real with you, Lord. To make sure, Father God, that our relationship with you can grow. That we're walking with you, Lord. And that we're making progress along the narrow way, Lord. So, Father, as we look at your word, Father, I ask, Father, I plead that you would speak to us. Give us hearts that are humble, hearts that are open, that we may hear what you have to say. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will give me, Lord, the heart to share this with, Lord, the proper way. The words, Lord, to communicate, Lord, what you have to say. Father, there is no way, Father, I feel to ever really express, Lord, what's on your heart, Lord. It's always beyond what words can express, Lord. But, Father, I pray that you would help me, Lord, to make a best attempt, Lord, of... Uh, expressing these things to your people, Lord, to my own heart as well, Lord. Father, I pray and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Exodus 24. I'm going to read verse 7 and 8. Then he, that is Moses... Took the blood, uh, sorry, then he, Moses, took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, We will do everything the Lord has said, we will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So, God was calling for himself a people, the people of Israel, to be a special people to him. And in order to inaugurate that relationship or that covenant, there was uh, two things that happened. One of those things was that blood had to be sprinkled. Why did blood have to be sprinkled? Because... In order for us to be in a relationship with God, the thing that stands in the way is always sin. We need to be forgiven. And there's only one way to be forgiven. It is by the blood. And so Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people in order for their sins to be forgiven, in order for them to be cleansed. Instead of us dying and suffering the punishment of our sins, today... We know who is the sacrifice. It is Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, um, the, repeats the same language that you see in chapter eight, in, in verse 8 there. This is the blood of the covenant. Um, it, you, you see that in, um, I think in Luke chapter 22, 
verse 20, you, you'll see that, that Jesus said, this is the blood, my blood of the new covenant. Jesus went on the cross and he died for us so that we do not have to go to hell and die. He took our place and because of his blood, we are cleansed. It says in Hebrews chapter 9 that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. There's no two ways. There are not, it's not every religion is the same. No, there's only one way for people to be forgiven. It is by the blood of Jesus Christ today. Now, however, that's the part that we all agree on. If you're sitting here today, you're a Christian, you're a believer, you agree, you know that, you, you believe that that it is by the blood of Jesus that we are saved. His blood cleanses us of our sins. It is an amazing truth that should never get old for us. And we should always remind ourselves that that's why we have communion services to remind ourselves that to focus on the cross and remind ourselves that the Lamb of God was slain. Jesus Christ died. The greatest title that Jesus has is the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world by his sacrifice on the cross. However, here is the part that's often omitted. Before Moses took that blood and sprinkled it on the people, what did he do? Can we put verse 7 up again, Dave? What did he do? He took the book of the law and read it to the people, and the people responded, we will obey. Before they could be cleansed by the blood, they had to make a commitment that they were going to be a people who will obey God. They had to enter into that forgiveness, into that covenant with God, with an attitude of obedience. In other words, before we can be cleansed, there is a requirement to commit ourselves to obey the Lord. We come into the new life, not just so we can be forgiven and cleansed, but we come into the new life with an attitude that says, Lord, before I met you, this is how I used to live. I did whatever I wanted. Now that I come to you, now I'm going to live with the new MO. I'm going to, to, I'm going to live my life with the underlying principle that I will seek to do what pleases you. Most of the time, people are told, um, just come to Jesus, pray a prayer, his blood will cleanse you, and you will be fine. That's half a gospel. Half of anything is bad. You know salt is what? Sodium and chloride? It's a crystal. If you split that and you only give someone chloride, they'll die. You only give them sodium, they'll also die. It's when you have both together that it's something that can feed someone and actually nurture them. It is the same with the gospel. Half a gospel is dangerous. It kills. And so I want to talk today about that part. I want to make a case for you today that it matters how we live. It matters how we come in to this new life. And I want to ask you, have you come to Jesus to be cleansed of your sins. But did you come to him with an attitude that says, Lord, I want to obey everything that you command. When Jesus Christ called people, what he said most of the time was not believe in me. 
There's a gospel that says believe in Jesus, and if you just believe in him, you're all set, you're going to heaven. I want to tell you that is not true. That's half. That's chloride by itself. Jesus, most of the time when he asked people to become Christians, he did say sometimes, believe in me. But you know the term that he used most of the time? Who knows? Follow me. Excellent, Kelly. Follow me. Several times. When he called Peter and John, he said, follow me. When he called Matthew, he said, follow me. When he called other people, he said, follow me. It's not something that I do today. I say, now I believe in him and I'm all set. It is following Jesus Christ. And so, and also, you have that in the life of Zacchaeus, a man who was a tax collector who had cheated a lot of people. And when Jesus comes into his house, it's only after Zacchaeus says he'll give back the money and return it and repent. It's only then that Jesus says, now salvation has come into this house. Not before that. And in fact, that's the only time that Jesus told somebody, now you're saved. He said that after the man had clearly come. He hadn't done it yet. But Jesus, who sees through the heart, knew that this man is sincere. He wants to make things right. And Jesus proclaimed the man saved. He wasn't a preacher was salvation being proclaimed by Jesus himself. And I do want you to know that we can all try to benefit from the death of Jesus without wanting to live the life that he lived. I cannot want to be one with him in his death and not want to be one with him in his life. You can read about all about that in Romans chapter Six. That's what baptism is all about. Old life is buried. I died with Christ. Now I live a new life. That life is also the life of Christ. What a lot of people want to do is benefit from the death of Jesus, get forgiveness of sin, and then go on and continue to live the life that they want to live. Salvation is free, and we say that all the time, and it is true. Salvation is free. But once you accept it, it'll cost you everything. Now you say, how can something be free and yet cost you? I'll give you an example. Let's say you were invited to the White House. Let's say it was the president of your favorite party. I know we got different people here. So let's say that your favorite president was in there and they invited you to go there for free. Usually to get invited there, you need to either have a lot of power or a lot of money. Um, I would assume most of us here don't have either. So let's say you um, were invited there and it was all free. You did not deserve it. It was just a gift. Somehow they said, you to this weekend, you're coming over to the Waza. We're having a banquet. We're going to serve a, a, a fancy presidential banquet, and you are on the list of invitees. And so they fly you over, they put you in a nice hotel, and the time of the banquet comes, and you show up with your water bottle. And at the gate, the security tells you, uh, you know, you can come in with that. We got water in there. You say, but no, this is my water bottle. I, I like it. I'm not. I'm gonna keep this in my. I'm attached to this water bottle. I like it. I'm not going in now. What do you think they will say? 
You think that they're going to waste a minute saying, you know what? Yeah, maybe we'll let him in with that water bottle. You know what? No, you have to leave it at the door. You have to throw it away. Now, that sounds silly. It, it, it sounds like a silly analogy, but from eternity's perspective, those things, those sins that we hold on to are going to look sillier than that. So when we come to Christ, the banquet is free. We're invited to come in, but at the door, there are some things we have to check out. There are some things we have to leave outside that we cannot bring into the new life. That's the part of the gospel that is often not emphasized. We are told just anybody can come in, just come and say this prayer. And multitudes of people have been convinced that. That because they prayed a prayer, they repeated a prayer, now they're all set and they're going to heaven. I tell you, there are people sitting in hell today as you and I speak who prayed a prayer. It's not enough. We have to sincerely come to the Lord with a heart of repentance. Let me show that to you from the word of God. Jesus gave a parable. There's about three parables that Jesus gave about how to enter the kingdom of God. Here's one of them. This is in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to read the whole thing for you here because this is that important. We don't have the whole thing on the projector. We have part of it that we will show. Matthew chapter 22 verse verse. One, Jesus spoke to them again in the parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servant to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. There is a king, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a king who gave, prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Who is that king? God the Father. Who is the son? Jesus Christ. God the Father is preparing a banquet for his son, a wedding banquet for his son, Jesus Christ. But at the beginning, he said he sent, uh, he sent his servant to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused. God first came to the people of Israel, and he sent them uh, prophets, Moses, Elijah, others, and they refused. Eventually, God sent them John the Baptist, whom they rejected, and sent them Jesus himself, whom they rejected as well. Then, but God in his love and in his mercy did not give up. He said he sent them some more servant. He said, tell those who had been invited that I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened calf have been butchered, have been slain, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention. Then they went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized the servant, mistreated them, and killed them, which is what happened with John the Baptist, with many other prophets, and Jesus himself. The king was enraged and sent his army to destroy those murderers and burn their city, which is what happened to Jerusalem about 40 years after Jesus Christ died. The Romans came, and they destroyed the place because the people of God had rejected God. And... Um, but then here's verse 8. Then he said to the servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So um, 
the servants went into the street and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Today, God invites everybody. Everyone is welcome. The good, the bad, rich, poor, all colors, all, uh, all races, everyone, all culture, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. God is sending his servants everywhere. That's why we have missionaries that we support all over the world who are going out, sharing the gospel, telling everybody there is a banquet. Come and join. But here is the picture um, that we get here. These people were invited not because they qualified. You get that? They were just folks in the street who were there uh, on, the, on the street and the, um, the servants went and told everybody, come. They didn't pay money. They didn't deserve to be invited. They were just invited out of the goodness of this king. And so once they arrived at the door, here's the picture that you get. The lame, the, the deaf, the poor, the rich, People coming in with their filthy garments, coming in with all kinds of things, with all kinds of problems and baggage. They're all thronging into this wedding banquet. But at the door, God tells them, there is an offer by the master of the, by the king. Here is wedding garments that you need to wear. You need to change and put on this new clothing. And... That was the culture, by the way, in those days, you provided um, garments to people when they came into your wedding. Um, many people could not afford it, many people were poor and so forth, so, and you, it went, so the king here offers garments to everyone who's coming in. But somehow there's one person, verse, uh, so verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friends, he said, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Why did he not have the wedding clothes on? He liked the clothes that he had. He didn't want to change. Here's what was done to him, verse 13. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wait, what? The man is thrown into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because he did not want to change his clothes. Yeah, that's right. Because he came, was invited for free. He came in, but he was given this garment to wear and he did not want, he liked the way he was. And because of that, he suffered a fate that was worse than the people who had refused to come to the wedding feast. Now, Jesus, when he says, tie somebody hand and foot, throw him into the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, what is that? What's the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? It's hell. I don't know how else you interpret that. Now, hell is something that we don't hear often about. In some churches, you could go five years without ever hearing a reference to hell. I know Pastor Steve teaches it here. But Jesus, did you know he spoke more about hell than he spoke about heaven? 
I was sharing with the brothers on Thursday night, you know, there are two ways we can be unfaithful to scripture. One is by teaching something that's just incorrect, that's not in the Bible. The other is by omitting, uh, or by omitting part of what we're teaching, only teaching one part and not teaching the other. But the other is by not keeping proper emphasis. It's like a recipe, if you're cooking something, for those of you who cook, if you, if, they, if you need to put three cups of this ingredient and one cup of this, and you switch it around, it's not the same meal that you're gonna have. Jesus spoke more about hell than he spoke about heaven. And by the way, he spoke about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. Paul hardly mentions it, Peter hardly, because it's almost like the only person who was qualified to speak about it because he came from heaven, suffered hell, came back, and he's qualified to talk about it. And so I want to say this to you. The Christian life is free. To come into the kingdom of God, into the banquet of the Lord, it is free. Everybody is invited. We don't qualify. We don't come in there because we went to church when we were a kid or because we know all of us are sinners. We come into the kingdom of God out of God's love and mercy through Jesus Christ who was crucified. But when we come at the door, God asks us to change. And he gives us this garment for free for us to put on. And I want to say to you, and I say it with love, but I want to say clear, even at the risk of maybe some of you may think this is heresy, but I want to say to you, if you are a person who hears the gospel, you say you believe in Jesus, but in your heart, your attitude is, I am going to live the way I want at the end of the day. You will not make it to heaven. If your attitude of heart is, in the end, I do what I want, I live the way I want, I'm going to live with my girlfriend or with my boyfriend. I'm going to go get drunk if I want to. You are not going to make. You will be in the place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want the blood of anyone on my hand. So I want to be very clear about that. Heaven and earth will pass away. The words of Jesus will not. I think that that day is going to be a shock for a lot of people. Many people who came to church, many people who attended uh, even prayer meetings and studies and so forth, will find out that because fundamentally they never made a switch, they never came to God with this attitude, Lord, I want to do what you want. Fundamentally, in their heart, they still were saying, I want to live the way I want to live, and no one's going to make me change. They're not going to make it to heaven. I was at a coffee shop um, earlier this week, and there was this song that came up, a French song, that says, je suis comme si, et ça me va, je changerai pas. Je suis comme si, et c'est tant pis, je changerai pas. She's saying the song, this is the way I am, I love it. I'm not gonna change. You will not change me. This is the way I am, too bad for you, I'll never change. You cannot be a Christian singing that song. I listened to that, I was like, that sounds like a lot of believers. Fundamentally, you have made the decision, you are not going to change. Now let me begin to close here in the time that we have left. Now there are some who believe um, 
And I will tell you, including some uh, uh, one minister that I actually respect a lot, who say that this garment here is the righteousness of Christ, that God gives us the righteousness of Jesus. Um, so the Father were clothed with Jesus' righteousness, which is true. And, but then, so when the Father looks at us, looks at me, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. The only problem with that is this. In heaven, the judge is not the Father. Jesus is the judge. It says in Acts 17, 31, for God has appointed a man by which, by, through whom he will judge the world. That is Jesus. So it says Jesus looking at himself and then not seeing our sin. No, it is So I'm going to show you from Scripture. There's only one other place that I know of. If you find another one, please let me know. Um, but there's only one other place in the Bible where there is a wedding of the Son and where there is garment. Let me show you that in Revelation 19. It's the only other place. The way you understand Scripture is by comparing Scripture with Scripture. There is a wedding feast here, and it's clearly referring to the wedding feast of Jesus and his, uh, and his bride. And here is what it says here. Chapter 19 of Revelation. I'm going to read it um, from verse 1. We have some of the verses, but I, I will... Um, Oh, yeah, I guess you got all the verses. Thank you, Dave. After this, I heard what sounded like, a, like the roar of a great multitude in heaven. Hallelujah, salvation and glory, power belong to our God. For true and just are his judgment. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again, they shouted, hallelujah, the smoke goes from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the, the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne and they cried, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne um, saying, Praise God, all you his servants, small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of a rushing water, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our God, for for our Lord God Almighty reign, let us rejoice and be glad, give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. How did she make herself ready? Verse uh, 8, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. White, the pure linen stands for what? The righteous acts of the saint. Not the righteous acts of Jesus. Not the righteousness of Christ, which we do have, which is given to us. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the righteous acts, the behavior, what you and I do. And that's how this bride has made herself ready. That's how the church makes herself ready. You know, when I'm often asked about Revelation, I, don't tr I try not to spend 
time arguing over signs and symbols and when things are going to happen and so forth. Because you know what? No matter what your opinion is, whether you are pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or you have some other, as uh, Sam was, uh, was sharing a few Tuesday nights ago, whatever your view is, uh, amillennial, premillennial, and postmillennial, whatever your interpretation is or who the white horse is, the pale horse, the red horse, why is there half an hour of silence in the heavens? Who is the woman with the 12 stars and so forth? No matter what your views are on all of these things, the events are going to unfold regardless of your opinion. You know what I mean? What you believe has no bearing on what will actually happen. But what you have an influence on is whether you are going to be ready. That's the only thing you have control over is whether you are going to be ready, however the events unfold. Now, how do you get ready? Making sure you're clothed with clean garments. Making sure that you are ready with righteous acts and righteous deeds. For whatever reason, there's one passage on the millennium in the Bible that's in Revelation chapter 20. I'm not covering that today, I'm just letting you know. So there's only one passage, but you know there is, what, 700 passages on holiness and walking right with God, overcoming anger and lust and jealousy and bitterness and so forth. That's how we get ready. That's how we, get, well, that's how we prepare ourselves. There, um, you know, it says in that story that we read in Matthew that when the king came and asked the man, why do you not have no garment? Why don't you have a garment, a wedding garment? He said, the man was speechless. You know why he was speechless? You know when children are speechless? You ask them who took that cookie. <laughs> and they, they look at you and they don't have an answer because they know they've been caught. He knew there was no excuse. The answer was, I refused to take it. It was free, I didn't want to change. It was wickedness, pure and simple. What happens is this, when we come to the Lord, it's like we're coming to a hospital but you have to be genuinely interested in being treated and being cured. You can't come to the hospital faking that you want to get treated, they give you medication, you go home, you don't take it, then you complain you're still sick. When we come to the Lord, we have to be sincere. God accepts us as we are, as long as we're willing to let him change and transform us. It is justification by faith, but it is also sanctification by faith. Both are gifts of grace. Okay? It is not just that at the cross, we were not just given forgiveness. We were also given freedom from sin. When the people of Israel left Egypt, they put the blood on the lamb, of the lamb on their doorpost. They were not only spared the judgment of the angel that passed by, but they were also set free from Egypt. Both came from that blood of the lamb. The gospel today that says, you know what? You can be forgiven, but you will always be in your sin. You will never change. That's not good news. 
It's like saying to a person who is in prison, you'll never get free, but mommy loves you. <laughs> okay, that's true. I know my mom loves me, but that doesn't, that doesn't get me out of jail. You know what I mean? It's God loves me, I know that, I believe that. But the good news is that you, you get set free, you get freedom. And let's not say that God is unwilling to help us and God does not want to set us free. The truth is that when we continue year after year after year in the same behaviors, there is only one reason for that. We love it. There is only one reason that man kept his dirty garment is because he liked it. When you and I stay in the same behavior year after year, we come to church, we go in and out, we, we still have the same anger, the same bitterness, same lusts, same drunkenness, same jealousy. Jealousy is the truth is we don't want to change. The garment is there, was at the door, we refuse to take it. We were not sincere when we were coming to Jesus to be cleansed. We wanted to go to heaven, but we didn't want to be, not be cleansed. You know, I'm going to conclude by saying two things about this. You know, in this, um, and I'm giving a, a lot of scriptures, but in this, when you read about this bride of Christ here, before that, do you know why they were shouting hallelujahs? I read that in context. There were so many, there are three hallelujahs here that are given. It's the only place in the New Testament where you have hallelujah. You know, we sing hallelujah a lot. You know why they were shouting hallelujah? Because Babylon, the false church, had fallen. There are two of these women that are portrayed in the, in the book of Revelation. One is the harlot, the prostitute. She is the church of the Antichrist. There is an Antichrist, there is Christ. The Antichrist as his church is the harlot, Babylon. Uh, when you read there earlier in the, chap in the two chapters earlier, John talks about the vision of seeing Babylon. She glitters with gold. She's filled with all kind of uh, 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 shiny stuff. She looks expensive, but she's full of filth. She looks attractive to the flesh, but she's unattractive to sanctified eyes. She carries a golden cup filled with all kind of filth in it. John says, when I saw her, I was astonished. What was he astonished? Because this is supposed to be a church but has no allegiance to Jesus Christ. She sits on a dragon. She's comfortable in sin. She's comfortable with darkness. She's comfortable, she, she gets around, and, and language such as she's committed fornication, she's gotten drunk. She, it, it's all about pleasure and, and, and wealth and power and connection about her. John said, when I saw her, I was astonished. John saw a lot of believers today. He'd be astonished. Now, I know these are symbolism for a lot of other things. But then you come over here and you see the bride of Christ. There is a glorious simplicity to her. She is clothed with white linen. Can we put that verse in the amplified, uh, the amplified version of that verse, verse 9 um, in, in, in Revelation 19? Um, or verse 8, rather. Fine linen has been given to her. Um, and it does say, and it says that that fine linen is the, is, is what's given to her. Can you go to the next verse? Uh, the next part of that verse. Uh, 
Uh, no, that's what, so we don't have it. The fine linen stands for the righteous act of a saint. I wanted to read it from the amplified version. It says that it is the character, the moral, the, the moral ethic of the, of, the, of, of, the, of the saints, the way that they have behaved. When you have time, look it up. It's a great description of the church in the last days. And verse 9 said, the angel said to me, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. That's verse 9 that Dave was saying. This is not the words of Calvary Chapel or the words of Freddie or the words of, of a man. These are the true words of God, that this is the way the bride prepares herself for the end. It is by making herself clean. I want to say to you this, you know, um, an important question to ask is, are you going to be there? As you sit here today, if this were the end, would you be in that banquet? Would you come in? Um, it's not just about escaping hell. It's not about escaping hell. And it's not about going to heaven because there are mansions and streets of gold. It's about being wedded to Jesus Christ. It's about being in love with Jesus Christ. As we were singing that song, the greatest romance, the love of God. It's about being in love with Jesus Christ. Those who simply want to escape hell, if you do not really love God, and I say this, I say you, you, those of you whom I interact with personally, you know I love you. And, but it's not, just a, it's not about escaping hell. It's about being in love with Jesus Christ. If you do not love God, you're just not interested in him. Why would he be so mean to you as to force you to spend eternity with him? It's why, you see, Jesus said the reason why we go to heaven, Jesus gave it, he said, it is so that where I am, you may be also. If Jesus moved out of heaven, moved to a jungle in Latin America, that's where I'm going to go. Because I want to, you ask me to go to heaven, I'll say, no, Jesus is not there, he's over there, I'm going over there. It's like I went to visit my mom um, for a couple of weeks recently, I just got back. Why do I go there? It's because I like that house. No, I live in a nicer place here. I go there because my mom is there. It's home because of who lives there, and I love her. She stopped living there, you're not going to see me there in that house. It's the same with Jesus Christ. We want to go to heaven. Why? Because Jesus is there and we love him. Amen. It's not about escaping hell. It's about being in love with Jesus Christ, being wedded to him. It's looking forward to that wedding banquet when we are one with Christ, where we all get to see the church of Jesus Christ and no one has ever seen the entirety of it, people from all over the place but all people who radiate with the righteousness of Christ. Now, I do want to balance this by saying this. It says here that this fine linen was given to her. It's not that we strive and become holy, but it is God who enables us to do these righteous acts. So it's really only a question of whether we're willing to let God transform us and whether we're willing to part away with the filthy garments that we are so attached to. Will you be there? And 
at that wedding banquet? Have you come to the place where you have been honest with God and told them, you know what, I just love some of these things that I do. And I don't want to love them anymore, I want to change. If you read later in Revelation, John um, sees the heavenly city and it's a cube. It's thousands of miles by thousands of miles by thousands of miles. It's a place where the presence of God dwells um, because the only other cube we have in the Bible is the Holy of Holies, the place where God dwelt in his temple. And it's almost as if to say, this city is filled with the presence of God. And Jesus says, it's in red letters here. This is in Revelations 22. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to enter the tree of, of life. They may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Do you get that? Those who wash their robe so they may enter into the city. Outside are the dogs. The dogs are those who go back to their vomit. Things that they left, they go back to them. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Do you lie to your brothers? Do you lie to your sister? Do you lie to your parents? Do you lie to your spouse? It says you're outside the city are all those who love and practice falsehood. I, Jesus, sent my angels to give you this testimony for the churches, not for the unbelievers, for the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, whoever wishes, let him take from the free gift of water. I want to ask today, um, can we have the, the worship team and the praying, prayer couples? If you know that you are really not walking with God, you never really in your heart made the decision today, I am going to live a life that is a life of obedience to Christ. I want you to come, um, you know, and we'll have people here to pray with you. Come and ask one of these uh, folks to pray with you. If you're not a Christian, you don't know the Lord, they will lead you to give your heart to, to Christ. This is serious business. Uh, it's life and death. And I know you all have come here. You've come not to be entertained. You've come to hear the word of God and to grow in your walk with the Lord. And I'd like that. So if you, um, anyone who would like to be prayed for as they um, share, as they, the band here plays, these will be here and they will be, um, and I will be uh, here as well to pray for anyone. And if you, have, you would like to talk more about this, we will be here. There are elders here. Eric is one. Dan here, my brother is one. Solomon back there um, is, is, is one. You can 
talk to them, Dave, Dave, Kim. So grab somebody and talk to them and let them help you. And um, if you have children out in the, um, in the Sunday school in about three minutes, you can go there and get them. Let me pray as Dan begins to pray. Father, Lord, you call us to a banquet. You call us, Lord, to feast with you. Father, I pray, Lord, that all of us who are gathered here today, one day, will gather again in that banquet and that no one will be missing, Lord. Father, that no one will be missing. And we pray the same for the children who are back there, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name that none of them will perish, Lord, that they will all grow to be people who love you, who know you, who walk with you, the same in our youth group. Father, make them be people, Lord, young people who love you and who burn with passion and with love for you. And who look forward, Lord, to that day when you come, that in our hearts we will be a church that say, yes, Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. And we say that today, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, let the return of Jesus be soon. We look forward to it, Lord. Amen. Would you stand.